No, I, I know. I'm closing the flume. I'm closing the flume. I just wanted to look at it really quick. And then it was like super HD and it was kind of unnerving because it was so high quality. But I have hit record. We can officially not talk about flume anymore. I'm sorry. So we're done with flume. Yes. I'm sorry for inflicting flume on you. Do, sorry. Before we, before we get in, I have a couple of quick questions. The, um, does Instagram slime count as flome? Because it's very similar in a lot of times. Um, yes. Yes, especially if it's crunch. Yeah, it's in that same. There was a bunch of, there was like a sand thing that was kind of like flome in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, in early 2000s. So I would put it in the same category. Okay, so that's also banned. We cannot talk about that anymore. Okay, okay. Nickelodeon toys. Oh, that's right. It was a Nickelodeon thing. Mikey. Oh, yep. We're going down the hole. You opened. <laughs> you, you opened a tab. I, I closed. I closed the tab. It's closed. <laughs> the tab is closed. The gate is closed. I, I mean, the alternate universe where we have a podcast about '90s uh, jelly or slime-based toys is now closed. <laughs> <laughs> Slime-based toys just sounds dangerous. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> as far as Charlie, yeah, it's not an Instagram fan. No. Yes, slime and slime accessories. Yes. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> so, how like how many times can I say like, can you edit this out? Like, uh, do I? Is there like a number? You, you can say that as you many that times as, many as you times want. As you want. Okay. You should not. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I like how charlie is trying to start the actual podcast i keep trying to start what's going on here okay no it's fine we can we can edit this out <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna laugh more than usual on this episode which is saying something um <laughs> all right And welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode 19. And it's episode 19, and we actually have a special guest with us. Hooray! Hooray! Hooray for Casey being here with us on the podcast. Hi, Casey! Hi! Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here on the Stephen King special that we're doing for the podcast. <laughs> Yes. I mean, it's kind of a departure, but I thought you should be here for this. Yeah. I, I'm i sure everyone was expecting us to finish the Runaways run that we were on, but, you know, Stephen King. Yeah. With all the Stephen King news and updates that have been going on. <laughs> Actually, I don't think 19 was in uh, Dreamcatchers. I was going to make a Dreamcatchers joke, but I think 19 is just in the Dark Tower series, mostly. Um. I don't know enough about Stephen King, actually. So I don't, I don't know why you had me on the, the Stephen King episode. So what you're saying is bad choice for a person to be on the Stephen King episode. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I told you all that, but, you know, you brought me anyway. It's okay. We love you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Should I introduce my, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, Casey. Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask. So go ahead, Casey, and let us and let us know who you are. 
Well, I'm I'm Casey, and I use he him pronouns. And I'm yeah, that's it. That's all I got. There you go. <laughs> You're a good person on the internet. <laughs> yes. No. Casey's a very good friend of ours. Um, we play a lot of um role playing games with him, and he uh does a lot of good things and given us a lot of good covers to look at. So um yeah, Casey. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of slacking. Okay. Anyway, in the week of things that wouldn't stop bothering Charlie, um, <laughs> uh, Deadpool. What do you want to start with? Deadpool two or Dead Souls? <laughs> well, I know I knew about Dead Souls. I just wasn't as I wasn't. I was. <laughs> I told you this already, Mikey. But I said to myself, "Well, I know something bad's going to happen to somebody in the book." I. I, it probably is going to be Rick just because the world hates me. And then I was like, but if he's on the cover of the next solicit, I think then he'll be fine. And guess what? He's not on the cover for the, for the issue number five solicit. Yeah. In fact, he is actually... He's the only one not on there, right? Yes. He's the only one not on there. Hmm. So either it's an elaborate bait and switch. Which comics have had in the past. Which comics does occasionally. Or, you know it's going to take the rest of the series to resolve whatever the hell's going on. And I don't know what that other thing is. So yeah. So that had me like anxious. And then I woke up on two on a uh, Wednesday and I was like, it's going to be a, a new day. It's a new day. I'm not any worried about it because things are going to be fine. Cause they're always just fine. And I worry about them too much. <sighs> and then another Deadpool trailer dropped. <laughs> Which I was totally unprepared for because I was at a work meeting. I was in a meeting at work and I didn't get out of my meeting. And then I had like 50 (laughs) messages about it, not just on Discord, like on Twitter, (laughs) on like any possible place anyone could reach me. And for a moment, I was like, I'm I made this my brand. I did this. I did this. There's so many people talking about it. Yeah, I was about to say, at least, you know, your brand is secure. Yeah, my like, I know that I'm doing a good job because people are like telling me about it. But yeah, Shatterstar is like just there. You've become the nexus. Yep. Yep. Well, he's not just there. He says words. He does say words. He says his name. And uh, I've kind of been thinking about that specifically all week. Um, (laughs) I don't know. It's the eternal problem when you have like five words to go off of and you like sit there analyzing them for meaning. Yeah, I mean, th- listen, all, the only thing I was analyzing was one, the uh, words, like just his tone of voice. And two, the fact that in that picture, he's got the sickest ass fucking sea viper from Street Fighter like going on ever. And it's fine. And I love it. And I think people who say it's bad can just go, <laughs> just, they can just go away forever. Agreed. I mean, there were people that are like, oh, he looks like you went to a Joanne Fabrics and like, A, clearly you don't actually cosplay because Joanne Fabrics is like the easiest place to go to get fabric and is not that bad, actually, because Hancock Fabric is dead. And B, it's just a good look. I don't know. These are the same people that would like make fun of the '90s, just in general. For I mean, the 90s. yeah, no, that's exactly what's happening. And like, here's the thing: like, it's not going to be Shatterstar, as I know Shatterstar, or you guys like have been told by me about Shatterstar. It's going to be like a a guy who is a mutant, whose name is Shatterstar, and he's not going to be an alien. He's just going to be like somebody that Deadpool recruits, and his 
outfit is just going to be something he made up. Like, listen, that's exactly what this is going to be. Yeah. And it was a good outfit. It's it's they took the best part of X Factor Investigations, his X Factor Investigations appearance, which was the jacket, obviously. No, listen, that, that I like that it has a white like, shirt. Yeah, I like how that it has like a completely useless like zipper from like the sleeves around to his neck. Like so he can just make like a half sleeve halter top out of it, which I don't <laughs> understand the purpose for it. But you know what? If you want a rip away jacket more power to you really it's a strong fashion choice that's true i mean i'm sorry that like jacket with the white shirt and the tight white jeans is like a sick ass look that's all i got that's all i got today that's good it's very good yeah it's good that's not yeah that um that's me i don't know that's my little moment as always uh how are you guys I'm hanging in there. It's good. No, it's it's good. It's yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited to see like, um, Terry Crews and Zazie Beats. Uh, and they they didn't introduce who that other person stand by, standing behind Deadpool is in the hangar that we think is maybe Chamber. They didn't I, like confirm oh, that. I think he's like I a spitter guy. I think that's Zeitgeist, and he was a member of the Ecstatics, which was what X Force turned into. Like late in the like at the very early two thousands, like the very late nineties, um, he basically mm. vomits up. He basically vomits up acid. Like oh, he's okay. uh yeah he's basically like a boomer. That's why dead. I called him the spitter or spitter whatever. I don't know Left for Dead, so you know it's one of those zombie types. Yes, that is true. Speaking of zombie types, I've been playing the new Overwatch story mode for their Retribution update. And it reminds me a lot of Left 4 Dead, and it's really good. And um, I've really been enjoying that, and it makes me wish that there was more Left 4 Dead, which there isn't going to be, but Valve did buy Campo Santo, makers of Firewatch, so Valve might actually make a video game again, which is weird. Or maybe they're just going to buy people, buy people's companies that actually make video games so that company just can't make video games anymore either. Uh, that see that's the fear but like at, at least the video game that they're making currently is going to come out which is in the valley of the gods about two um black lady archaeologists like going to take videos and like in the tombs of the pyramids and stuff like that which looks really cool and i really hope that they keep making games and the statement seems to indicate that they will keep making games but I will hold my reservations until such a date as they eventually release in the Valley of the Gods and announce, hopefully, a video game after that. Because if they don't keep making games, I will be sad. But yeah, no, that's that was the thought, is that like maybe Valve is becoming more like EA, where they're just buying out little companies and they'll just publish games. But I don't know. I'm dubious. As you should be. The new Overwatch is good. Good. Gabriel Reyes has a sick undercut, and it's really good. That's what I've been enjoying a lot of. I think sick is the good ad- adjective for today's episode. Yeah. But no, I, uh, I've i heard people like that a lot. So um, good. I'm glad that you are playing Overwatch again, if you so desire to play Overwatch again. It's got a lot of snarky banter, which is what I really appreciate. 
because some people are like, well, there is Vermintide. And I'm like, but is there banter in that game? And they go, well, no. And I'm like, well, then what's the point? If I have a team of misfits and they don't have banter, what's the point? Yep. I need my banter. I need my snarky comebacks and McCree getting fired from his cover job because he has a really bad Italian accent that he got from Spaghetti Westerns. Like, that's the kind of content that I crave in this world. I'm a simple man. I don't ask for much. So what you're saying is Campo Santo should make uh, the Leffert, new Left 4 Dead movie or uh, game. Left 4 Dead game. <laughs> I mean, it could yeah, be a movie. Who knows with Valve? I would be okay with them making more Left 4 Dead, I guess. But what I really want from them is more like exploratory games. Yeah. Because that I actually more enjoy than Left 4 Dead. As much as I enjoy Left 4 Dead. For sure. I like Firewatch and Gone Home and stuff like that. When did Left 4 Dead 2 actually come out, guys? I want to say like um, I'm 20... Guess 2008. Mm, no, I think... No. 2008? 2009. 2009. That was Left 4 Dead 1. Left 4 Dead 2 was 2009. No, the first Left 4 Dead came out a long time before that. Yeah. Is it really? Or maybe like a couple years. Why did I type Left 4 Dead 9? That's not... <laughs> that's not nine. correct. We're getting a little ahead of Valve there. <laughs> well, no, the the first one came out in 2008, and then the second one came out in 2009. Oh, wow. Okay, so what happened there is the developer of Left 4 Dead was a modder, and they had been working on Left 4 Dead for a very long time before Valve bought them out. Um, was that Turtle Rock, or was that the frog people? Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. They had been working on it for a very long time as modders. See, the sorry, the Overwatch, the Overwatch Left 4 Dead crossover there, the frog people and Left 4 Dead. <laughs> Lucio coming right at you. As a zombie, it's very oh. scary. Very scary, yeah. No, Lucio's zombie skin win. Uh, that belongs on the Stephen King podcast. <laughs> no, uh, Casey's Casey's adventure to Chili's yesterday belongs on the Stephen King podcast. <laughs> oh, does it? Okay. Well, um... I think so. But it can also belong on this podcast. Yes. Gosh, okay. If you want to talk about it, I'm not going to force you to. I'll pull up my my Twitter so I have a refresher. But I'm, I went to a Chili's for my sister's birthday lunch. Uh, it's my stepsister, and so a lot of my um, like stepdad's family came over, and they had just gotten in after a ball game. So there were like ten of us. They set us down in like a four by four restaurant, and then there are just these strange, like so many strange things like the the host kept saying welcome to Chili's which was throwing me off because <laughs> of Vine and then like the servers kept like staring at me while I was waiting for the rest of the family to show up like I was like doing something wrong it was just a oh did you go there to like reserve a table basically to like plunk down while you yeah, waited and and I was five minutes early and they were 20 minutes late oh, oh no. no and so I'm I'm just like I'm just like sitting there and everyone's staring at me. I already feel like awkward. My phone died like halfway through it, like halfway through me sitting there. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. It, it died after because I was live tweeting everything. So it died after, <laughs> but I, I didn't want it to die because I've been having battery issues. And so I didn't want to like just play on it. And, uh, then the, they sit us in this weird 16 seat 
table for 10 people and we have like two very old people two toddlers and there are just so many strange things going on like uh someone was putting ketchup on their salad because it was too hot (laughs) which i still don't understand she she ordered like she ordered a thing and she forgot what she ordered and then so she took someone else's food and then didn't like what she got and so she she wanted to keep her own thing and like when they got her the food that she ordered she uh she she thought it was like she was trying to cool it down so she was like putting liquid on it and the closest thing that she could grab was ketchup and for some reason she thought ketchup would be good on this like chicken chipotle bowl what's in the chipotle bowl (laughs) i don't i don't don't even know um she she was just I'm just she was just throwing ketchup on it, even though her sister was right there and had leftover ranch dressing, um, like all kinds of ranch dressing, and she just didn't. I so I guess they cooked the the chicken and it was too hot. Oh, that's the only thing that you would cook in this in this thing. I guess. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at this chicken chipotle bowl. Oh no! It has grilled chicken, pico, field greens, Mexican rice, corn and black bean salsa, avocado, shredded cheese tortilla chips, cilantro, chipotle pesto, house-made ranch. So it has ranch in it. It does, but you can you can see in the picture it's like that's like barely any ranch. That would not a that would not affect Yeah, it. that's not even an appealing drizzle that they've got going on no, there. It's, it's really not. This is just no, kind of like No. Th- this is like someone It's indicative of Chili's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this is like someone tried to make a salad bowl <laughs> and then they just like, I don't know, there was an earthquake and everything just kind of like jumbled together. <laughs> that's that's very accurate <laughs> actually. Ch- honey chipotle crispers and waffles. Those, Excuse those are me? so good. Do not do not say anything about those, okay? okay? <laughs> <laughs> They, okay, so, I'll, I'll, I'll believe you. So <laughs> that's what I that's what I got, and that's that's why I was okay with chilies, is because it, it's essentially they take um, boneless wings and um, they they skewer it on top of a little mini waffle, and the waffle they they um, uh, they like caramelize brown sugar onto the waffle, um, and it's so good, and like even without the okay, sauce, that's. Um, like the and and the syrup that they give you is like this like the name was dubious yeah. no it's it it's it sounds super sketchy but it's it's so good no i believe you that sounds that sounds legitimate i'm sorry i got aggressive but <laughs> it's <laughs> unlike even, that was like Shatterstar level, that was Shatterstar levels of aggressive about my food <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> it's very good. I have, oh my god! I have some my... in my fridge because they gave me a very big portion, <laughs> and they gave my mom a very big portion, and she didn't finish it. So good for them, chilies. I guess it's it's better than the lack of mozzarella sticks that are at Cheesecake Factory. Do they not have mozzarella sticks at Cheese? What? Remember we looked it up. Yeah, remember we had when we were role playing. When we were playing Girl by Moonlight, oh. and your character and Charlie's character went to go to the Cheesecake Factory to relieve stress, yeah. and you rolled really poorly, so the whole thing was you were stressed out because it was like sensory overload mm. in the Cheesecake Factory, and also there were no mozzarella sticks, <laughs> which 
is all you wanted was like a mozzarella sticks and a margarita or martini or something like that. So Charlie's character just got really upset. And then your character like drunkenly decided to go or tipsily decided, I should say, decided to go to the mall. Yeah. And Instagram stream yeah. their possible demise. We never we never really finished that e game. The evil twin the evil twin murdered a guy, so and I, I my I yes. it, yeah, it was it was a lot. Yeah. I, I wanna go back. How does Cheesecake Factory have a menu that's so big that you can search it, but they don't have mozzarella sticks? This was my question. How do you, you, you have pizza. So this is the conundrum. I, I looked up mozzarella. There are 11 items on the Cheesecake fa Factory menu that have mozzarella in them. Okay? It's true. Fried cheese. That's that's essentially a mozzarella stick, but it's not exactly a mozzarella stick. Uh -huh. um, flatbread, pizza, pasta, 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 pizza, pizza, pizza. <laughs> and then eggplant parmesan. I'm not sure. <laughs> Don't you shit on eggplant parmesan. Eggplant parmesan is okay, good. Okay, okay, okay. But it's it's just uh, this is. I don't have mozzarella sticks. It's absurd, is what it is. Yes, because no, the crispy fried cheese is not a mozzarella stick. It's like triangles. Okay. Yeah, it's like cheese triangles, which is just it's cheese triangles and it's mozzarella and fontina, which are two totally different cheeses. It's not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's it's not even like yeah. The only thing that like the these cheese triangles look like they can fall apart at any second. Honestly, <laughs> it's a da it's dangerous. Okay, okay. So these are these are essentially these are essentially mozzarella sticks. Yeah, but they're in a different form, which is why it's like you, you okay. if you want. It's like you if you go to a restaurant and you know what you want and then like the form is slightly different, it can be distressing. That's true. That's true. Yeah. These these look like like if you ordered the the Taco Bell nacho chick, chicken nachos. Oh my god. At, a, at like some hip upscale restaurant is exactly what these look like. Yeah, no, exactly. That's like they're trying to make it fancy, but like yeah. it's not no. fancy and also like the reason mozzarella sticks work well is because they're just like an objectively good form to have cheese in. Whereas it's like a stick. Yeah. yeah. Cheese sticks I, already exist in the universe. I feel like the triangle shape just means that they fall apart faster. Well, when you um we've we've discussed foods so much, but when <laughs> when you when you bite mozzarella, it it you want to minimize the directions that you have mozzarella coming from. Right. Because exactly. it's not, it's not <laughs> yes, a fun yes. cheese to eat. It just it just goes everywhere. And so when you have it coming right. from two different directions, it just, it's, it's, it's it ruins not it. acceptable. Yeah. Also, it's very, it's like, it's like much more possible to get burned from eating a cheese, a fried cheese triangle than it is a steak. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah Somehow. No. The only cheese type thing I eat in a triangle is fried mac and cheese wedges. But those, like the mac part acts as a binder. And also, like, they, they're, they like, encoded in, that's not the right word, but... They're encoded, they're coated in in fry batter. Yeah, it's fine. Like, encased in a beer batter, batter thing, so they won't, like, go weird directions either. All right, well, um, let, let's let just say, uh, discussions about mediocre food chains aside, <laughs> we're actually here to conclude our runaways coverage believe it or not 
true. Going going out with a bang. Yes. Just like a cheesecake factory meal. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure there's something that's got. I'm sure there's like a bang food at Cheesecake Factory. Like, like I'm sure there's like 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 crispy banging bang shrimp or something. Like spicy egg rolls. Yeah, or some other thing that's just stupid. There is indeed bang bang chicken and shrimp. There you go. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Runaways 17 and 18 today. So it is the end of our Runaways coverage. We have an issue in which. I thought was very good and perhaps could have been the end of it. And then an issue that kind of just noodles around a bunch of places. But um, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. um, but we'll talk about um, Runaway 17 first. So Mikey, would you like to tell us who is still with us here today? Yes. So once again, the writer is Brian K. Vaughn. We've got pencils by Adrian Alfona. Inks by Craig Young. And the colors are done by Christina Strain. And our cover from Joe Chen has Alex Wilder drowning, which is it's apt. Not exactly ideal. No. It's pretty grisly. But it is apt because if you don't remember last time, since it's been a actually been a bit <laughs> again, um Alex was revealed at the end of issue 16 to have been the mole all along. And that was our cliffhanger. Um him with all of the kids. And Nico basically indisposed, and he had everybody's super weapons basically powered up. Got all the the mans from the Mega Mans. Yes, he had the Infinity Stones. There, that's also apt. Yes, that that's a more apt metaphor than my. Yeah, I don't know enough about Mega Man to make that metaphor. I don't know why I did that. All you need to know, Mikey, is that you go and you beat the Robot Masters, and then you get their power. So it's not really not apt. So it's, it's, you're good. I've only watched the speed runs, so. Isn't there one that's just raccoons? Just raccoons? What, Casey? Yeah, there is, there is one that's just like a raccoon. Oh, in Mega Man? There's a Mega Man that's just a raccoon. Yeah. Maybe. Like I said, I've only really watched all of Mega, a Mega Man game in the speed runs. So, you know, most of, you know, if it's any percent, they just can complete like one guy and then they beat the game and then that's all I see. So. Hmm. You would know better than me, I think. That's that's true. Yeah, no, there, there are several robot masters. Apparently, one is um something like a raccoon, according to Casey, and the link that he sent us. Well, um, there's also there's a pop two pack of Rocket Raccoon and Mega Man X. If you want to get both of those, <laughs> I, I'm good. So, yeah. I think yeah. I see that. Okay. All right, Thanks. just in case. Thank you, thank you. Just in case, that's you're coming at us with um, things we might need. So I appreciate it. Oh, it's it. a oh yeah, it's a tanuki is what the raccoon is. It's not we call them raccoons in the U.S. because we don't have tanuki here, and that's like something that Americans could understand. But actually, raccoon dogs are a totally different genus than raccoons, and infinitely cuter. In case you didn't know. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. Oh, we're... Okay, maybe maybe we can make it past the cover. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we can. Uh, Alex is in a bad way, but I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy the like the top down from this on this cover, and I enjoy that he. I really enjoy the colors on it. Um, so I mean, th there's not much to the cover. Do you do you have anything you want to say about the cover, Casey? <laughs> um, it, it's it's very good water and coloring. Um, it's 
scary. Like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, no, it is. I, I feel like this could be like a horror comic cover thing. Yeah. It's funny because the colors on my version are messed up because these this issue in particular are like the printing came out very dark so i actually had to look up what it actually looks like and i agree because i just kind of have a black mush on my very nice in theory trade volume of volume one of runaways but yeah looking at the actual cover (laughs) uh digitally yes it is it's very good and foamy water (laughs) good and foamy yeah but uh we open kind of where we left off and that is with alex with chase's x-ray specs and his fistagon and nico staff of one and old lace um still in the marine vivarium yes right after we left off last time and he is telling someone off panel to dance which apparently is nico who we last saw frozen from a spell by him, I think? No, it was by... Um, or by her parents. Her parents. Yeah, it was by her parents. So, uh, yeah. And she kind of comes back to it and doesn't really know what happened, obviously. And then we start <sighs> trying to dissect what just happened. <laughs> and it's not acknowledged that, that he said dance. That first page is just not acknowledged. Yeah, that's true. All. Yeah strange to me uh he does however say that he struggled to find the word yeah and i think that's what they're trying to say here in the next panel because alex goes on to say that he's got to give nico credit because she always makes it so easy look so easy using the staff of one so i don't know if it was like him trying to find a bunch of words that would just make the uh make the ice go away and i'm not sure how that relates to anything but no you're absolutely right um i think it's just the fact that uh he had to find a word that wasn't akin to unfreeze yeah because that's how nico's spells work yeah that makes sense yeah and i don't think it's gotten (laughs) stated explicitly yet but it's kind of implicit that certain words can only be used or the the command words can only be used once like in the lifetime of the the staff of one so like once you say a word or a phrase for a spell like that can't, word can't be used again um and funny story marvel is kind of inconsistent with a lot of things but one of the ways that they're able to stay consistent with nico's spells throughout the years is there's actually a excel database floating around of all the words that Nico has ever used on panel for the staff of one. And so you can't use those words and they just keep adding to that like over the years. So that's existed for over 10 years at this point. Yeah. Which is kind of incredible, I think. Yeah, that's really kind of nuts. But also it's very consistent with obviously how the staff works. Like I said, we don't know that yet, but it is true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, Nico is confused because Alex has everything and his parents are right behind him. And that's the first thing that she says is that for Alex to look out because his parents are right behind him. Yeah, she's, you know, she's like waking up. She's still kind of disoriented um, because she also then realizes that everyone else is around on the floor. And Alex says, yeah, I know my parents are behind me. They always have been. And yeah. Which, yeah, Alex, he gets to have his like super villain moment here. Yeah, he really does. Nice. 
and it's it kind of goes a little something like uh he he basically villain monologues at her yeah well because she's like trying to figure out like reconcile this guy with the alex that she knows and has a crush on uh, because she's like, you can't be the traitor. Like, this is all a trick. You're just lulling them into a false sense of security. And he's like, then goes and tells us his whole grand design for how they got to this point. Because what we saw at the beginning wasn't the first time that he became aware of the prides, like, inner workings. Um, so we travel back in time um, because he did not, in fact, find the secret passageway when he was snooping for Christmas presents. He discovered it a year ago um, when he had a much smaller, um, much smaller fro. It was much shorter. Um, and we see all the characters um, as they were like a year ago. Uh, during the family's annual get-together. Um, Carolina's on the couch asking Nico if she's ever thought about getting contacts, and we see Nico with, like, much more clean-cut, with shorter hair and glasses, and Molly is asking Gert if stuffed animals go to heaven when they die or hell, and Gert's about had enough of that. <laughs> um, and so Alex uses that time to sneak away from all of the kids, and sees um, the parents murder another girl. That's how he found the the secret passage mm -hmm. and learned everything that his parents had done. And he says that he gave his parents the benefit of the doubt and there had to be a logical explanation. And I like how his mom is like, don't you want to like give her some room to breathe? And he's like, no, mom, I'm going to continue with my monologue. He yeah he doesn't even say that he just keeps going yeah well yeah yeah he doesn't say he doesn't even respond you're right he just like he's snuck into his dad's basement and has already so the whole like i'm trying to decipher the pride's abstract like that was actually a ruse because he'd already deciphered it oh yeah oh yeah and had read into his dad's files so he went the full batman um, and what he learned from all of this is that his mom and dad were heroes or that's what he says anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? How did, how do you feel about this Casey? <laughs> it's, uh, I did I did not like this sequence. Okay. For, first off, I was very taken aback by the candles <laughs> <laughs> on the, the page six. He's walking in and he has a candle, like a regular wax candle. And then on the next page, He's reading by candlelight, which is very strange. But like narratively, this this was just this was very strange to me. I I don't I can't quite say like based on a lot of the other things later on, but it was just um like like a, a lot of what y'all talked about in the last Runaways episode with the, like the the gamer mentality and him like treating things a lot like a game. This was very um it's it's very against a lot of the characterization that we had with Alex before um because then like it, him studying over these books uh what we assume is like late in the night and like figuring out all about the Gaborim uh, and the first time that we saw Alex he was playing World of Warcraft and his parents like have to pry him away from the computer it, it's it's just a very strange like shift to me uh, yeah it's 
It's interesting. I was thinking like, well, if you use candles, then no one can track that you've used the batteries or ha- are turning lights on and off. But like, really, he's just treating it like an Elder Scrolls game. <laughs> like, oh, yes, I discovered the secret passage. Yeah. Oh, yes. Let me read through all these books. Oh, my read score has now increased to 61. Alice is playing Skyrim, <laughs> just like Todd wanted. Or, or really Oblivion. Yeah, true. I think it was Oblivion had come out at this point. Oh no, it was um, it no, was, it would have been more. It no, would have been Morrowind. Morrowind. Yeah, it would be Morrowind for this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? This is this is exactly how that this makes so much more sense if you read it under the the fact that Alex just thought he was playing a LARP of Morrowind. <laughs> no, but I, I agree. It. Yeah, it, it's it's not the case. It's it's one of those things where like it, it could be doing that. Um, but it's not like it could be, we could have those things of like, where we have hints of like Alex not being aware of, of these things or not like fully paying attention to the like ramifications of his actions, like in real life, but he's much more like, he's just suddenly a villain. Um, and it's, it's a strange turn to me. Yeah. Well, so like I talked a little bit last time about how you know it's it's like him discovering this power like this is and maybe it does have a little bit to say about like the power dynamics and the way video games have us think that power is acquired like in as a pc in a video game especially in like the elder scrolls like you no matter what like alignment you are like you're always the pc which means you're always just and morally correct like you can kind of um you know do jumping jacks in your head to justify the actions that you take in a video game because it's not real and you know like the person that is correct is the one that gets the most power and has the numbers go up the most so like in that kind of sense like he's he is doing like he's doing the things that he learned from video games it's just not with a thought as to like the it's the might makes right kind of thing right yeah 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 i can kind of see him like falling back on mmos and stuff as kind of like a like biding my time and honing my leadership skills and also like i have to you know pretend to be a totally normal teen Mm. So, like, I I wouldn't say that it's, like, totally out of character, but it definitely, like, his perspective, like, he is a gamer with a capital G, and he's taken, like, the lessons that video games have taught him to heart, which is probably maybe even more damning than anything else, Mm -hmm. actually, if you think about it. No, and I think Casey's right in the fact that, like, I think it would have been better for this moment if we could still couch like because alex was always alex has always been up until this point like the kid that like is just like bothered by everyone else like he's trying to keep it seemed like he was trying to keep it like everything like in check like he didn't seem unreasonable and i think yeah. maybe if we had seen like the i think maybe if we had seen the i knew they were trying to pull this whole like fast one over on everybody but maybe if we had seen some of the cracks a little bit this yeah. would have made a little bit more sense. I guess the one read that is maybe like the most troubling is how close at this denouement it is to the like violence in schools mm-hmm. and 
the analog with video games there, like how close it is to that argument of like, oh, he was a good kid, except, you know, like the video games turned him bad or whatever. Because I could see that being like a valid read of this too. And that's super duper shitty. Yeah. Especially considering that, you know, like he's he's a black kid. And like, I think what I said a couple episodes ago is still valid about how like he gets to be like the strategic mastermind. But yeah, and this like, you could read this as him being a strategic mastermind or you could read it as him like just like learning how to do things from video games and all the amorality that video games has to offer. And like, yeah, that is like not so great of a read yeah. also. Yeah, no, I mean, both are valid. And I, I, I agree with what you were saying um, earlier, Mikey, with um, because when I looked back at the panels, I see. Um, so like after we have the like uh, brief flashback scene where he's saying like before he leads up to my mom and dad were heroes, um, he says, you've seen Wrath of Khan, right? The good outweigh the good of the many outweighs the good of the one. And then on the, the page where he unfreezes Nico, um, he says, um, like he, he references girl interrupted. And that's kind of always been his thing is that his reference to the world is through the lens of this fiction. And, um, uh, the, the way that you said it, like that he has been gathering these power ups, um, is like a very easy way to see it, um, in the way of like the might makes right. And that's, that's how he's looking at it very much through this lens of uh, like as long as i have power like that that will prove everything uh, correct yeah i think like the unfortunate parallels to like the disempowered nerd stereotype are the ones that like make this not fall apart for me but detract from what overall would be like a really interesting character and they're kind of like backtracking here and like, I don't, I don't know. Well, I have more to say about it as, as this goes on. Like, I think that like both of those reads on this is, are good. And I think that they're valid. And I think that you can obviously, you know, read that however that you end up wanting to do that. But even at the end of that sequence, you know, Alex tells Nico, you know, Alex, because Nico is obviously extremely upset by this. And because she's been manipulated by Alex this whole time. And Alex goes on to say, Rule number one of gaming, a good dungeon master always makes his player feel like they're in control, especially when they're not. Uh, like, mm, so uh, keep getting mm, these things. I disagree with that, and that's why I'm glad Casey is here, because that made me so upset <laughs> as a dungeon master it's, and as someone that plays role-playing games. It's so bad. It's so bad, that's not how that works. It's, it's very much in that stereotypical vein of the fact that the GM is an adversary to the PCs, which is not um a healthy way to play the game no absolutely not um some people enjoy that but it creates these very unhealthy power dynamics that uh, yeah yeah of like the gm like you're fighting the gm every step of the way and they're like ceding control to you which sure is like a way that some people like to play but yeah it's not it as friends I find it difficult to imagine going to sit down at the table with friends and then like having to not be friends for a bit because you're the GM and you're the antagonist in front of the players. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's a mindset that D&D &D even encourages sometimes with the way some of its dynamics are. And it makes me very upset because it's like, I prefer the like 
philosophy of like be a fan of the characters and of the players because ultimately like it's not going to be fun if you just force them to not succeed and i get that like there's people that are power gamers too that will force your hand in that dynamic but yeah it's not a healthy way to play like the players should be in control of the story because it's their story or their narrative if if you don't want to use that's how well that's apparently how alex feels about it and uh we all know that alex is wrong yeah i hate it (laughs) i mean yeah i do want to go back because um he did so he did discover that uh because i think we like skipped a page he discovered the whole plot of the doctor mr and mrs hayes and the deans to murder everybody else because he was hiding yeah under a table in the library and apparently we didn't know this before but now we do the abstract can also like write it has the future and the past like on its pages so they're gonna try to rip the pages of the future out from the abstract bad and they also have candles which which is weird but wouldn't it wouldn't it then just write in the existing pages well right that's what if it's supposed to have the future or somebody somebody says that and then the alien the deans go it's magic mutant if you think about it too hard your brain will explode it's just very dismissive but i guess you know (laughs) i guess you don't want to fight that and then they say well worst case scenario we can just lobotomize them which is mm, (laughs) also not great also not great yeah bad um these are what these are what bad mutants look like children yeah after all (laughs) alex's parents are powerless it's the others we have to worry about and so Al- we get this is a really good frame, though. So mm. we get like the hazes talking and like one of them is even cut off um, and we get them talking. And then you have like the table and then we see like Alex covering his mouth with his hand, looking very worried with like the table acting as like a page for- as like a frame break, which is really, really good. Mm. I really love it because um, it's shot like a horror movie. Yeah, you even have the word bubbles going down below the table line to like kind of lead your eye down that way, which is very good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. No, that's very good paneling in that piece. Good paneling, bad Alex. <laughs> bad Alex, yes. Outfit-wise, the, these these all look like Naruto characters. Like, if you told me these were Naruto villains, I would believe you. So Yeah, yeah I mean, Charlie figured out exactly what ninja clan they were, I think, a couple episodes back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember because I don't know enough about Naruto. It's okay. That's all right. We don't need to. We don't need to know. <laughs> we learned that Alex saying that he wanted the parents to get arrested and everything was all just a ruse, and so he literally led them back to the parents' houses, not to find evidence against the pride, but to get the arsenal and unlock the powers his soldiers powers that he read about in the abstract and he says what you thought it was just a coincidence that we stumbled onto fire gauntlets and and telepathic dinosaurs yeah (laughs) and he brought Topher back to the group not to be a nice guy that wanted to help other people whose parents had problems 
but he knew that Topher was going to cause some kind of conflict and he wanted to toughen them up for the battle. Great. Here's here's the bad. Here's what I hate about that. Like, okay, yes, that in and of itself is shitty, but also Alex saying, I never would have invited that vampire back to the hostel if I had known he was going to kiss you. Like, that's the biggest. Yeah. Like, uh, Alex. Alex. Yeah, no, he is his own GMPC in his own story that wants to kiss the girl and have every power. And he wants to be the Elder Scrolls player character. And I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. It's like literally like, did you choose to save the village or did you choose to burn it with fire? And Alex is the burn it with fire option. And I hate it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, and plus he he tells Nico right after that that he's he's in love with her. So he decided to bring her along. I'm sorry. I'm so mad. No, it's not good. It's not. It's so manipulative. It's it's not good. Because she's already having this, like, she doesn't know what's going on. And then he's trying to manipulate her. And he says that he does that because he wants her to come along with her to eternal paradise. No. Yeah. Okay. This is not, this is not a good way to start a relationship. No. This is a nightmare, actually. This is like the worst, like, you, you, this is like, I'll bring you with me and you'll be my evil queen. Yeah, like, and, and no, literally, because then the next row of panels, he talks about, he's like, Nico, remember what we talked about before our first kiss? How it felt like people had screwed up the planet beyond repair and there was nothing kids like us could do about it? Well, now we can. We can hit the reset button on the whole world. Remake it the way it's supposed to be. You and me, and maybe someday, our kids. Uh. And then Nico just has the biggest frown, grumpy mad face on her face after him talking about their hypothetical children. And she punches him right in the face. Which, I'm okay, like, I'm not okay with what Alex is doing. But I'm okay with the setup of the punch, and I'm absolutely okay with the setup on the next page after he punches her. (laughs) Yeah, and she says, not if you were the last boy on Earth, loser. And he's still refusing to take help from his mother, who's attempting to help him. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm okay with that only because... uh, uh, Nico uh, wakes Carolina up and tells her that Alex is the mole and is evil and she says I knew he was all wrong for you and then lights him on magical fire and it's great yeah but as soon as she's done that and gets her like temporary revenge he takes the staff of one and wraps her in chains with the spell bondage that also happened to mimic the chains or the chains on the bracelet that her mom and dad gave her so she is effectively powerless and he tries to make old lace like eat her i guess i don't i'm not quite sure he tells her to roll over because she's getting angry well she she starts growling in that page in the bottom and then and then he he's he's telling her just to chill yeah and she's not gonna chill because gert has woken up and she's not okay with uh, old lace taking <laughs> taking notes from Alex um, and tells old lace to fetch and old lace gets the staff of one back for Nico. I really like that middle panel where the, with the speed lines and old lace yeah. taking the staff. <laughs> now, Yoshi, except more deadly. 
<laughs> yes. And and Old Lace's very um very concentrated eye there. Yeah. Yeah. Like she had to work real hard to figure that out. Yeah. And so they ha- kind of have like a standoff then because Nico's got the staff back and she's like, don't make me demonstrate how much better I am than you with this thing. And he says, try it. And Lucy in the sky goes up in smoke. And Carolina's decided now that she doesn't want to die, by the way. And so he, Alex has the fistigon pointed at her head. And Nico is basically trying to call him out on what she assumes is a bluff because she says, you're lying. That's all you ever do. And... Alex says, well, her parents were threatening to execute mine, so clearly she's also a murderer? Yeah, that's how that works. Specifically, he says sins of the, yeah, he says sins of the father, which I feel like Alex the past couple of pages has been that, like, close but no potato. Yeah. <laughs> where it's just, that's not, that's not what that's... That's the other thing is, like, it, I don't know. Alex is a mess, uh, f- philosophically speaking. He, he is very much ends justify the means and will do mental gymnastics and cartwheels around ideas to get what he wants in the end, which is, I guess, like approval. Like he he wants someone to be proud of him because his parents were like never proud of him. Right. Like nothing was good enough for them. Um, and they just saw him as always wasting his time playing video games and like doing role playing games and stuff like that. So I guess this is what this is, is like him trying to pull all of these threads together into something that his parents can be proud of to like prove that he's worthy of their love which is like also when you think about it like a really fucked up relationship like and probably i'm not excusing any of his behavior but like yeah there's a reason i think that he has like a distorted look on reality too Mm -hmm. but we don't get to see whose uh, bluff is called because before they have a chance to do anything, the leapfrog crashes through the sidewall of the vivarium um, with the giant croom sound effect. <laughs> and it's everyone's favorite. Chase is here. <laughs> <laughs> By everyone's favorite, you mean maybe only my favorite? I mean, I'm taking Chase over Alex at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's super fair. <laughs> And he says, sorry, got tired of waiting for you, dude. So I hot-wired Frogger here. What'd I miss? And this, and it comes to light in the next panel that Alex can't believe Chase is here. So Chase is kind of like the wild card, right? Yeah, he he was like, I, I made sure you were too hurt to fight. And that's clearly not the case. And Nico uses that moment of distraction to yell hands off. And the staff of one makes the fistigons explode. Yeah, I think it's also really telling that Alex is like, he's also the person that's like, as long as I knock them out, that's not the same as killing. Yeah. Like, so therefore I'm morally justified. It's like a silent knockout. Uh, non-lethal is better than lethal. So I don't have to like have an alignment shift or whatever. Like it's, it's again, mental gymnastics and, you know, video game logic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, uh, that happens, but Nico's parents also um, attempt to interfere here. They have a glow orb that they're, I guess, they is do. a spell that they're concocting. And they say that Alex has given their family an amazing gift. The gift, I'm assuming, being eternal life, potentially. Um, and they demand that Nico shows him appreciation, which is not the thing to say to your daughter who just had this guy try to to gaslight her into loving him. <sighs> 
they would totally uh, agree to an arranged marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat what the Yorkses say, though, because they use some really bad, like, slang for things that's very dated in a very gross way. Yeah. But they also say, you Benedict Arnolds are going to steal our children in the our children's place in the afterworld after all you've done. And then the Steins are also up and Victor Stein is going to try to rip someone's head off. I would like to see him try, frankly, try. given that he's yeah. he's a beanpole man um, with no strength in his body. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> um, and then Molly says, t- tells everyone to stop fighting and he she grabs a hold of the ghost trap that's got the girl's spirit in it. They were going to feed to the Gaborum. And Mrs. Wilder tries to tell her to let it go by saying that it has a little girl spirit in it. And Molly says, you can't take kids and and put them in little boxes just because it makes you happy, Mrs. W. It's wrong. And she like smashes it like an accordion inwards. And somebody from off panel screams no and everything gets really bright. I like how there's like a Sheriff Woody in the relief in the Gaborum that Adrian Alfona drew, like in the top left. I don't know if you see that. Oh, nice. There's a very grumpy dog there, there too. Is. The background <laughs> art is is always stellar. Well, and the I, I appreciate the um the cartoon person in the middle uh, of the panel on the very bottom panel, just kind of dancing, has no features. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> on the beach, yeah. yeah. Very strange. Background art, I love it. Um, but yeah, yeah. everything gets very bright, and uh, there's a giant blast of light that shoots out of santa monica bay i think it is um and into the night sky and yeah the people cavorting on the beach and having romantic dates are just kind of like huh that's weird giant glowy beam this last panel here with the the beam of light coming out of the ocean and then the people the coloring on the water with like the like like very irradiant like light is awesome on the bottom here yeah it's really mm-hmm. good it's really really good it's really good thank you to christina strain uh, yes yes thank you christina strain. um the 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 person on the far right like closest to the panel is like holding their hand out like like they're confused if it's raining which is good a <laughs> yeah, nice little touch yeah, that, is, that i just that now noticed good. yeah it's good yeah i see that now yeah and then and then after that beautiful last panel we cut back to the vivarium where mrs wilder tells them you know they, they don't know what they've done and then the gaborum show up and they look even like weirder and worse than they did the first time i saw them <laughs> unacceptable we are the gaborum and we hunger where is our offering who desecrates the right of thunder like that would be great if their look the look about them wasn't so tonally different than what was going on in the book yeah it is a little it's not working for me for some reason. Yeah, it's there's there's some culturally questionable things about these designs, I think. Agreed, I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah. Especially given that they're supposed to be like Jewish creatures mm, from the yeah. ancient world and there's definitely some like we got a little bit of stuff from Emperor's New Groove and a little bit of stuff from Atlantis, the Lost Empire, and a little bit of stuff from other cultures and just kind of smooshed it together kind of thing. Yeah. 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 
and also they just kind of appeared out of nowhere which is not like which is like a separate thing they were just there <laughs> all of a sudden yeah they were getting ready to come over for the rite of thunder yeah also i think they might have already been there i can't remember if in the last issue if the gaborm were there no yet but they were and they were just watching all this happen. They, yeah <laughs> maybe, well, maybe. so they were for the Rite of Thunder, like, they were, like, a half an hour away from appearing anyway. So it's kind of been, like, a ticking time bomb. That's why everyone was trying to... So there's, like, no weapons allowed in the Rite of Thunder, and everyone's supposed to come peacefully um, so that they can give the person's soul over to the Gaborum every year to feed them. So, mm. you know, it was kind of like they were going to show up eventually one way or another. So they showed up and... Just imagine you roll up to have a nice dinner with your best friends from the eons long before time. And there's all these humans fighting and just generally making a mess of your dinner table. It's not a good time. Even if you are a ancient, angry, evil alien god. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking, like, even if you're expecting to have friends over... And then you turn around and your friend is just in your house. It's, it's still not, it doesn't change. Like it's, it's still not good. Um, especially if your friend is a hundred feet tall. <laughs> this is true. It's very, it's very, um, it's very questionable. You're on, you're right. But like their designs just look goofy and it like breaks the tone for me in a way that's not great. Yeah. Especially considering what happens next. Mm-hmm. I will agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, Jeffrey Wilder immediately kneels and says, Master, forgive us, the Hayes girl inadvertently, and Alex interrupts him and says, Stop it, Dad. I'm not going to stand here and watch you get dressed down by your boss. This is my doing. I wanted to prove that I'm an adult now, too. I take full responsibility. And the... Uh, content warning, yeah, content warning, content, content warning. warning. Yeah, and the Gaborum, one of the Gaborum raises its hand. And its eyebrow. And it's eyebrow, and it says, your honesty is appreciated, child, and fries Alex to death. Skeleton and all. Yeah. While looking, like, extremely like, you ruined my pork chops. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the kind of expression that the Gaborum has on its face. Their face? I'm not sure. Yeah, Alex is absolutely reduced to, reduced to ash. Literally. Um- yeah. Except for the like the fistigon lenses, which are like left behind because I guess they're metal or not the fistigon, the x ray goggles. And so the giant says, The right of thunder has failed. Your selfish dedication to your progeny has reduced decades of service to nothingness. Therefore, we shall use what power we have left to end the lives of you and your children. And they just start shooting flames everywhere. Yeah, they do. Well, well, that one does. A lot less accurately. There's the Steiners are kind of like scrambling, like goofily. Yeah. While the yeah, it's it's kind of cartoonish. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because only that one is taking action. The others are just kind of like watching. Like, yeah, bro, you ruined our you ruined our fancy dinner. Well, there also there's an implication that they don't have a whole lot of power. Like the only reason that they would have the power enough to even do this entire thing to the planet was because they were being fed the power. Like so it also just like yeah. undercuts it absolutely also undercuts like this entire thing. Like the plan should have been from the beginning to stop the parents from feeding like a the souls so they had no power. 
but I know more than the kids did. Yeah, well, and Alex was making the plans. Yeah, exactly. So, and had all the information. So, you know, it was his in his interest to not let the players, so to speak, succeed or know any information. What a shitty DM. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like, well, you rolled a 20, but I'm only going to give you the, you know, like a little bit of information. Yeah. Just a little bit. Don't be that GM. No. Yeah, don't be that GM. As the the great RPG author, uh, John Harper, always says, like, be a fan of your characters. Like, give them what they earn. Like, if they earn information, just let them have it. Whether it's in a video game or in tabletop role-playing games. Like... If they earn it, they earn it. Like, don't try to snub their successes, because that's shitty. Don't be an Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, and this is the thing, like, my my thing, my problem with, like, Alex's view on a lot of these things is that, like, even if it is a game, or even if you're treating it like a game, this is a bad way to treat people inside or outside of a game. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, just, it's not a good way to treat friends or potential loves or anything yeah um immortal life mates whatever <laughs> you want them to be god immortal life mate that's a good one and you know it's funny because i've been making like dungeon master and role-playing game parallels this whole time like the last episode of runaways i was joking because he was like flipping frantically through the abstract as his dungeon master's guide, like trying to figure out what went wrong. But like, that's how he's thinking of it too. Like it's all been like a tabletop role-playing game adventure to him. And this was like the final encounter. Uh, but yeah, that happens. So yeah. And as the kids are like running away towards the leapfrog, the Yorks say, this is what we're reduced to. And mother, yes, love, empty nesters, which is just like, I don't... Mm. There might be the worst parents. It's it's a strange set of lines. Uh, and why did, he, why did he call her mother? Because they're like, like old time travelers. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, maybe from like the Victorian era. We're still unclear on that. All I know is they hate the 80s, which is how I know that they're horrible people, really. I mean, it's it's very true. Ladies <laughs> mm, weren't. They yeah, they problems. had a lot of problems, but they weren't like the worst era because of their fashion choices. Yeah. Okay. Like that's that's what they use for their metrics. They're like, we hate this fashion in this new age and this. Yeah. Dis- but like, also, let's talk about how this all happened. And Chase had no idea that Alex was a bad guy, basically, and just saw him get like immolated. Yeah. He's trying to, like, figure out what's going on, and Gert's basically like, we'll explain, there's no time to explain, we'll explain later, and we just gotta get up top. And so the leapfrog narrows its eyes as it leaps out of the water. It's like, uh, we're busting through another wall again. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it did just do it. Maybe the leapfrog (laughs) is a Tamagotchi mech, and it has, you know, you have to, like, poop it and play with it every once in a while to keep it happy who knows anything is possible in this weird world but nico's just kind of like nico's having a bit of a freak out because she's trying to believe she can't believe that her parents are gone and carolina's like trying to reassure her that maybe everything's okay after all but then the entire vivarium explodes and they're catapulted upwards from the shockwave and uh 
Chase is trying to control this, control it as it does so, and it manages to get it back down onto the ground where they get to the beach. And the door opens with a ribbit, which is funny. <laughs> yeah, like a squeaky door noise and a ribbit at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I love the leapfrog, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's pretty great. Molly's asleep. Why? How? Gert says, you land better than you kiss, Chase. Well, Molly Molly did crush that thing. So, like, anytime she uses her powers. Pretty- yeah, Molly gets super tired whenever she uses her mutation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, uh, when she uses a mutation, it's like a kid that's, like, drank coffee oh or something God. like that. And then, like, immediately, like, falls asleep. <laughs> okay. Molly, gets, Molly gets tired and can't use her powers for a while. And so does Star. <laughs> it's true. Molly is literally Shatterstar. <laughs> they would get along very well. I'm sorry. <laughs> they would, uh, actually. Now I want to see... Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I'm going to shove that in a corner for our masks game. <laughs> um, like, such a... It, it's been such a huge thing, like, thematically for me that, like, you have Molly, who has a radically different view from all of the other kids, and she never expresses it. Like, she's never around to, like, challenge, like, what they're doing on... Like, she's just there for gags, I feel like, most of the time. It's kind of, like, frustrating. Yeah, that is that is kind of shitty. Like, it's just... it's Yeah, it is a matter of, like, narrative convenience that she never gets to, like, argue with them and just has to put up with whatever they decide to do mm-hmm. because she's the baby and also, like, they kind of take advantage of the fact that her powers make her fall asleep. So yeah, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. No, you know what's what's good is that in the new Runaway series, that is brought up big time. Oh, is it? That's good. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, oh yes. And it, it, she was a lot more active in. Um, I read the Runaways Battle World, um, and she was pretty active in that, uh, like narratively and physically. So yeah, I still need to read the new Runaways. It looks so good. That's next on my it list. Looks, it's it's very good. It looks it looks good and it is great. <laughs> like, mm. ugh, it's very good. But speaking of these guys, they walk out of the re- the leapfrog, and then Captain America says, "Excuse me, do you kids have a license to drive that thing?" And there's an Avengers jet in the background. You should have five issues too late, Cap. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair to him, Cloak and Dagger's memories were erased. That's true. So maybe they had to do some investigative detective work. That's true. So yeah, that's uh, issue 17. Yeah. So strange to me. Such a strange ending to me. Yeah. Also, there's a there's a frog hiding in the panel. but <laughs> I think... Every- <laughs> oh, there is! Look at him! <laughs> I think people would have been mad if it ended, if the series just ended that way. Yeah. Yeah. But like I don't know this this next this next issue is a little strange to me. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is kind of like the the whole pacing issue that I was talking about the last Runaways episode where they like had too few issues and then added more on probably has something to do with that. Like this whole arc of going to the vivarium and and Alex revealing himself was supposed to originally only take two issues if the solicits are to be believed, yeah. but instead got expanded to like six, which, mm. yeah, like, so it's a case of actually like have it. It's it's they finish the story up too quickly. Like, this is what I find happens 
with comics a lot of times especially if um you know things get extended or whatever it's like you overshoot so now it's like we have a whole nother issue what do we do with it so i don't know what actually happened during the production of that book that's just my speculation but you know it does kind of seem like this is like the where are they now kind of thing which is good i think for a teen book but maybe not so good in the way that it's done in this book Mm. um but I believe our creative team is all the same. We have yet another Joe Chen cover for issue 18 that has all the kids kind of on like a wanted poster, including Old Lace. Mm. Um, and they're kind of all kind of grumpy. Um, it has like a found stamp on them with a post-it note. It's it's cute. They're like interacting. Yeah. Nico has a very good dress, like a very cool looking dress. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gert does not look like herself at all. No. So I didn't bring it up a whole lot at the time, but there was actually like a huge issue with the way Joe Chen depicted Gert on her covers mm. um, and like the body issues. Uh, because obviously, um, well, if you are not reading the comic and if you are just merely following along with our uh, word description of it, um, Gert is pretty accurately always drawn as um, someone that's fat that has a little bit of weight on them in a really good way. Like it's never like to make her gross or disgusting or anything like that. She just is. And I think that's really important. Like she's one of the few comic book characters that is fat like at all and mm-hmm. where that's not some punchline or a joke. Mm hmm. But then the Joe Chen covers tended to depict her in like a much more standard. She looks buff. Yeah, she's heavier set than the other characters, but not in a way that like is accurate to her in-page renditions. And even Takeshi Miyazawa like draws her pretty faithfully, but Joe Chen didn't. So actually, like the first issue with Gert um, and old lace like at the very very beginning like people got pretty upset about that with good reason but the weirdest thing for me is that it was never like resolved like she just kind of keeps drawing Gert the same way but yeah but the you know what's really good and I know I I know you guys haven't read it but the way that Chris Anka draws Gert in this new 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 runaway series Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like it's just it's so good like like he like gives her like fashionable clothes and makes them fit like they would on someone her size it's just very important you know what i mean chris anka is just really good about stuff like that in general oh oh yeah Yeah. the other thing the other thing that's kind of cute about this though is like carolina's giving nico like rabbit ears and Alex has his like finger under his nose like Chase stinks and Chase is giving Molly a noogie and Molly is very upset about it. It's like it's a good depiction of like maybe like midway through the series where they would have been with each other like where they were just finally like starting to get along Um, which I think is a really interesting way to do a cover for you know something where they're obviously not in that place anymore. Um, so as we, yeah. as we start issue 18, we get a picture at some point of all the kids and their parents and everybody in front of what I assume is the Wilder residence. Um, and we get uh, some narration 
At least once during our adolescent years, many of us felt that our parents were the most evil people alive. But what if they really were? And we got you a news broadcast. Yeah, it's it's actually like a 60 minute style story. It's not one of the kids narrating. Um, and they're uh, they're on Tsunami, which is Los Angeles's most exciting news magazine, um, which is a good nod <laughs> to the imprint of the book. Also, this newscaster's name is Chester Chester Biloxi, which is a very good NPC name. That is a very good NPC name. Yeah. I'm Chester Biloxi, and that's the question six area teenagers recently had to ask themselves. And it's what we'll be talking about today on Tsunami, Los Angeles's most exciting news magazine. As we all know, three months ago, it was revealed that 12 of our city's most prominent socialites were actually part of a villainous secret organization known as The Pride. According to documents obtained by New York based supergroup The Avengers, these seemingly normal families had criminal operatives placed throughout business, government, and perhaps most disturbingly, law enforcement here in California. Yeah, because of course law enforcement can never be bad or do anything wrong. Most disturbingly. Yeah. Most disturbingly. Yeah. <laughs> I I like that he says um, New York-based supergroup, the Avengers, yeah. as if people don't know who the Avengers are. No, that's really good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've talked about, like, that is a blind spot in the West Coast. So, like, because it's like, well, Gosh. you know, maybe they're superheroes. So then we get in the next panel, we see uh, the Scarlet Witch and Vision, like, taking some of these, like, the people affiliated with the Pride into some kind of courtroom. <laughs> Isn't it a job for the police? Yeah, I, I mean, they're like super police, right? Why would you get Scarlet Witch and Vision for this? Like, I mean, out of all the maybe people. these super parents are dangerous, even though these are just the it's lackeys not. for the parents. Yeah, they're just the lackeys. Also, there's like a ta there's a tiny lion in one there's of the panels. A tiny He's lion. very small. He's very small. <laughs> Though the Pride's true agenda remains a mystery, an exhaustive federal investigation has seen scores of corporate CEOs, high-ranking politicians, and even police officers indicted on charges ranging from racketeering to homicide. And while the Avengers have been instrumental in aiding the systematic dismantlement of the shadowy cabal's far-reaching network of conspirators, they are not responsible for the defeat of the Pride themselves. That honor apparently goes to the six only children of these murderous adults who ran away from home after witnessing their parents kill a young girl in some kind of occult ceremony. In the hopes of learning more about this amazing story, our own Katie McDonough recently caught up with Captain America outside of City Hall. Captain! Cap! We've heard reports that one of the Pride's children may have been killed in the final confrontation with the parents. I can't confirm or deny, Katie. What source suggests that he or she may have even died in service to the Pride, can you? We're dealing with juveniles here. If any of these young men and women committed any crimes, those records will remain sealed until a judge decides otherwise. So, anyway. Wow, thank you for that. That's a very, it was very good, Mikey. You're welcome. Yeah, that was solid. Yeah. So this reporter is continuing to bother Cap for more information. By asking him about Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes, but Captain, wasn't your first sidekick an underage superhero? And then he just looks super bummed and dot, 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 and says, the only thing your viewers need to know is that these runaways have been placed in stable new environments. They're safe now. And this story is over. 
All right, that's the end. Yeah. All right, thanks. Thanks, yeah, thanks everybody. That uh, why does pe- why do people keep bringing up um, Cap's dead young sidekick whenever like <laughs> anything happens? Also, look at look at how bummed Cap looks on all of these panels. Like even on the one before that. And also, I love how daintily and small Adrian Alfona has drawn his little head wingies. Like, they're so small. <laughs> they're so small. They're like wings for Amelie. <laughs> <laughs> Amelie? Um, I... <laughs> but yeah, this is California City Hall is apparently where we are in front of right now. Yeah. No, can't, I, don't, I, I take Cat being bummed here is that he really didn't want to put these kids where they ended up. Yeah. No, and he probably views it as a failing of his own because, like, well, okay, so here's the thing. Alex claimed that he called the runaway or the Avengers hotline like a bajillion times, but I don't know that we can trust that anymore in retrospect either. True. So they probably had no idea, especially after Cloak and Dagger's minds got erased. But then we go to that night, the James Dean Memorial at Griffith Observatory. And Carolina is alone at the James Dean Monument or Memorial. And she says, come on, I didn't tie my bed sheets together for nothing, did I? And Nico is right behind uh, the James Dean statue. And she says, Carolina, is that really you? And they're so excited. They give each other a big old hug. Mm-hmm. And Nico was worried that, the, that all of this setup was a trap. Uh, because the judge promised no one would come after them, but they've been having nightmares for weeks. Which, like, the one good thing about this issue is that it kind of, like, deals with, like, trauma. Like, this is a trauma that they've been through, and it's not like they can just forget it. Like, they have to live with it. Um, which is important, I think, to to show. Like, it doesn't just wrap up with, like, a nice ribbon and a bow. Carolina's foster parents are not maybe the best or most suitable people for fostering a child. Uh, no. They they have some problems, as she alludes to. Yeah. Uh, but Nico doesn't have one. And uh, Nico says that she is actually still trapped at uh, uh, the uh, apparently the foster home because nobody wants a goth kid. Can you tell us what she calls her foster home? Yes, I can. Uh, she says, at least you found a family. I'm still trapped at Father Flanagan's home for unwanted goth kids. I'm pretty sure one of the boys in my shelter is obsessed with me, too. <laughs> Which, yeah. And so Carolina's like, is I mean, is there anything there? And Nico says, I've sworn off boys forever. And so Carolina says, oh, cool, while smiling and blushing. So, yeah, if you didn't know, Carolina's a, a full-on lesbian. It's fine. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that's cool. Well, I hope you do well with that. Uh while desperately <laughs> trying not to like let your crush know that you have a crush on them. This is yeah. what's happening right here. Yeah, absolutely. In in the flashback too, uh Carolina is like leaning really close to Nico, like when, when they were yeah. on the couch together. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know how many extra little touches or nods there are, but I noticed that when we were going back through this. In that and in that first picture, like Carolina and Nico are seated next to each other, and Carolina looks kind of like awkward, like she's got like her 
arm that's next to Nico like up and she's kind of like leaning away from her like she doesn't want to get too close like she's nervous so mm-hmm. yeah there is like that that undercurrent with the body language too um which is really good uh so they've been going to therapy and um they're not having a good time with it because it's like it's very much like they're going to therapy with people who like are dealing with normal people problems and their parents like tried to destroy the world and that's not really something that's easy to talk to other people about um so they're kind of like struggling there um and we learn that carolina was the one to set them up with this meeting uh because she sent a message that said meet where we got together the first time we ran away and you know probably none of them have forgotten about that night and she says my dad used to take me here when i was little he was crazy about james dean I realize now that he and my mom probably took their last name from him after they came to Earth, you know? I wonder what they were like back then, if they used to be good people on our, our home world or whatever. I wonder what term them... And she doesn't get to finish because Gert and Molly have shown up. Molly with a seal hat, I think, is what that's supposed to be? A pink seal? I think, I think so. I'm not entirely sure. It's a, I think it's a bunny. I think It's got little whiskers. And- oh! Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a bunny. Molly's got very good hats, and yeah, that's her whole thing. This is kind of her her iconic hat. She has kind of yeah. the Louise uh, Belcher look. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Also, Gert says Gert says that they're sorry that she's late. They're late, but she had to break Bruiser out of one of those X Corporation embassies that looks after mutant kids. <laughs> so does that mean that she? <laughs> yeah, apparently all the security guards were psychic. And she runs up to Nico because she's super excited to see her. And she says, Gert says you get to live in an orphanage. Is it like the one in Annie? And Nico says, more scrubbing, less singing. And Molly goes, lucky. <laughs> so I guess the ex-corporation embassy isn't all it's cracked up to be. Oh, M.G. I'm sorry. I just realized, just connected some dots here. Ex-corporation was actually a thing. Uh-huh. Rick was there. Would you like to tell us about that? Oh, uh, X Corporation was a thing like be- Is that the one Warren started. Um, no, X Corporation ended up being like where a bunch of like characters went after Grant Morrison started New X Men. So there was like everybody that was at the school at that point, and then like a bunch of side characters like Jamie, Teresa, Rick, Cannonball, um. Monet, like they all got sh- like everyone that was like peripherally in another book that wasn't like Uncanny X Men when it turned into new when, when X Men turned into new X Men, it they got shuffled off into something called the X Corporation and they were just like different like sects of the X Corporation or like around the world and like they actually were embassies and like things like that. Ah, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, Rick was there. He was in France for a while. That I don't know. That just happened. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm no, tangenting. I'm sorry. Okay. It's important. It It's good. I like when there's like little asides and things that connect to other things. Like it's good because this book was so its own thing, but it did tie in however peripherally. Like it feels like a book that's in a world that's connected to other things. Like they're doing their own thing, but the world is still happening around them. Um. So uh, Carolina says you know, shakes Gert's hand 
which is an interesting way to interact, but sure, whatever it takes, I guess. Um, and she asks, where's old Lace? And Gert says, I don't know. The super despot said I wasn't allowed to keep a velociraptor as a pet. They they took her away. And it's sad. Aww. Yeah, that is sad. And Well, they, they haven't said where Gert is staying. Yeah, she definitely like doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Which is which is fair. But we do learn that generally they became wards of the state of California. Uh but they haven't heard from Chase uh because he said he convinced his case manager to let him live with his aunt in Anaheim, but that was just a PO box that he used for his Playboy subscription. So, he's been on the run. And Molly also does not want to believe that their parents are dead. No. Even though she knows that they're dead. She's still holding out hope that, you know, her mom is out there somewhere and is not a terrible person, which is a big bummer. Yeah, they're all looking extremely bummed when the like the neck on the next page in the first panel, because Carolina says so um and a uh, voice from off panel says man i haven't seen this many disappointed ladies since i picked my homecoming date and it's chase and molly's excited about it and when he says how's it going gert she slaps in the face and with the finger guns he does finger guns at her yeah and gert is not happy because first off her name is arsenic second off i thought that she thought that chase was dead and that you know, like, was imagining the worst thing happened to him. And he was like, I was busy. And she's like, busy doing what? And he said, I found your dinosaur. And And she kisses kisses him. him. Because what is true teen love, if not looking for your psychically bonded pet dinosaur? It's relatable. I agree. I mean, it's (laughs) very, very relatable. I agree, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) So, apparently, where Old Lace is, is the Avengers had a West Coast team, as uh, uh, Charlie and I mentioned off and on throughout talking about this book. Um, Chase went to the library, I can only assume, and found zoning permits for a a storage facility that they had on Palo Verdes. Um, And so they're like... They decide that maybe they want to break into a government facility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chase informs Nico that it's not stealing if it belongs to them. Besides, because um, the Fistigons, since Chase's Fistigons got uh, maybe deep sixed uh, and the ride got impounded, but Molly and Carolina still have power powers. So it's fine. Yeah. Yes. Nico specifically says that would make them no different than their parents. Which, yeah, I, mean, I don't agree. I don't, I don't agree. I don't know. A bit of false equivalency there. Yeah. yeah, she's she's having some issues of her own, so. Yeah. But they they show they immediately go there and arrive an hour later. I don't know why we still have time numbers like 24. I think that's completely <laughs> unnecessary. But anyway, um, Gert can feel where she is and carolina's been practicing blowing holes and stuff i guess when her foster parents were not paying attention to her and uh blast the hangar door open and there's a wild assortment of robots of all different sizes and shapes and insectoid natures yeah they're just there i guess yeah just hanging out 
There's like some spider bots and some like moth slash hawk bots. I'm not sure what those are supposed to be. And one that looks like a little bit like that droid in Rogue One. Yeah. And Chase is excited to see them, which is maybe not the best response to have for security bots. And apparently they're this is Stark property. So, of course, it is. Yeah. These are some shoddy ass robots, even for Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the design is more in Adrian Alfona territory. Yeah. So maybe like less canon. But Adrian Alfona does tend to be like super fantasyful with his robot design, which I really appreciate, actually, even if it isn't like necessarily something Tony would do. Um, I like having different weird robots that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh nico immediately takes charge and says carolina you handle the flyers molly you take the crawlers um so they are not in fact without a leader after all because nico just immediately snaps into it um and they're all having a great time uh and working together really well chase does a pass towards uh nico with his switchblade so she can have the staff of one but then, right as she goes to do it, she can't. And, and she stabs the robot instead. And, and it's one glowing weak point in the middle of its face. Yes. Yeah, for massive damage. It goes to the ground. Yeah. And, yeah. It's fine. Maybe. Everything's fine. When Carolina's nuking some robots, it's, it's very good colors on that page there. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, super good. good. I love her glowy rainbows. So they're all excited because this is the first thing that they got, did without Alex. Um, and Nico says, we never needed Alex. He just tried to keep us down to make sure that we never became a real threat to our rents. And Chase says, one more thing that's backstabbing toolbox screwed up. But then we find old lace. Yeah. Yay. And she's so happy. She even gives Gert a kiss on the face with a little lick. Like a little liquoroonie. I love old lace. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep saying it, but I do. What? Uh, what that I lo- I love old lace very much. Oh no, she's really good. Yeah, she's, like, she's very good. She's like like she's literally like a cat with the body of a dinosaur, and it's really good. Um, but now they're kind of like, okay, well, we found her, and Gert is even okay with being called Gert now. But Nico points out that Gert can't really just take her dinosaur back to her dorm. So I guess maybe she's at college is what's going on because she did have like a scholarship. Oh. So Gert mentioned like several issues back that she had a full ride to Mount Holyoke, I think Mm -hmm. it was. So maybe she's at college because she is of that age and that would explain the dorm situation. Um, But she says that she's not going back and Carolina also agrees that she's not going back because she wants to be free and she wants to fly again and she's missed this. Even though she was not entirely too sure about it when, you know, they were still, you know, all that stuff was happening, which, you know, that's good to also see. Yeah. And I just I love the colors on Carolina. They're so good. Um, They're very good. They are really good. to, To go back just a little bit, when Gert is okay with being called uh, Gert, like instead of arsenic. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase says, you sure? Even though that's the name your folks gave you? Gert replies with, well, maybe some things they gave us are worth holding on to. And like, I mean, it's it's strange for that to kind of be like one of the last sentiments, like 
flat out like philosophical statements in this run to me um because uh, like the last time that we saw their parents they were also like saving them from the gaborim which they it, it uh, they've kind of been setting up this like weird redemption arc to i guess like placate parents or like do-gooders or make them feel like make a lot of uh, basically send a message to kids saying like hey it's okay if you actually like your parents even though your parents literally murder people um it, it's it's strange it's a strange like dichotomy to me like tonal tonally yeah like i don't i didn't get that read from it but i definitely think that's 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 a valid one because my thing was like this is at the same time where she's getting old lace who you know despite being this genetically engineered creature from her horrible parents is like someone that like gert was never allowed to have a pet because her parents just fed whatever pet she had to their experiments um mm -hmm. so this is like the first creature that she's had a chance to care for and bond with and they have like this psychic bond so mm -hmm. you know if she were to just condemn everything that her parents gave her like that wouldn't allow her to love this dinosaur and to love herself really either so for me i read it as like you can you know like how people talk about like problematic media and stuff like that or you know things where the person ends up being shitty like there's mm -hmm. a way to like those things that doesn't excuse the people that gave them to us and i think that's the same like that's healthy and that's part of like processing things like that's a very human response like to enjoy tr memories that are traumatic or that came apart came about through traumatic means um and i think that's like actually kind of important like it it can come out kind of mixed but i think it's an important thing to say is like even if you go through something horrible it's okay to enjoy parts of it like mm -hmm. that doesn't negate the meaning of them so that's that's how yeah, i took it anyway it's yeah it's it's just I, I don't know like in in the example that you gave where um she couldn't have pets because her parents fed the pets to old lace like her parents did that and and the way that the narrative i think kind of frames it is that like maybe the parents were all right because we ended up like with flying powers and velociraptors and stuff um but like the reason why she was sad about not having pets before was because of her parents yeah um and, and so it, to me it it kind of like the reason why she was calling herself arsenic was because like her parents sucked but um uh, like to to have her and and she calls everyone else by their code names um because she she wants to support her friends in that way as well um but and she's i i guess i guess she has been like unfairly rejecting like a lot of what their parents did give them ultimately but it's it's just i don't know it's it's a uh, it feels weird to me yeah and I, I can't quite put my finger are you having a little bit of cognitive dissonance there with like what you're supposed to believe versus you know what's going on yeah 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 i think it's just the the like comic books always put things in very black and white terms and this it seems like a it, this seems like an area where it wants to more explicitly say like hey this is kind of gray or um like it i feel like it should be either being explicit that like yes they 
did us like they they caused a lot of our pain because of their weird cult like Gaborim stuff and like their weird beliefs that they thought that they were helping us but it like it doesn't all that bad stuff didn't go away which they they hint at and it's subtle and it's it's nuanced but they the the things that they choose to explicitly say are that maybe the parents gave us some good things too and i don't i don't like that as much it feels strange to me yeah it's something that they're definitely much more like that's more of a theme at least from what charlie and i have seen of the tv show in general because they try to make the parents more human and less like super villainy like the parents are much more gray in that or you know like like and i don't necessarily i want to be clear i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing um like they're not these you know bastions of like black and white um in in the show and i think that's important for the way that they frame the show but here yeah they're absolutely it's like in the way that they're presented there should be no redemption but i think it's i don't know i i agree with you i think it's good to have the characters reclaiming some of that in some way but maybe the way that they did it here is flawed yeah 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 i think that's a fair take yeah, I'm I'm more looking at it from the lens of like um in media geared towards adult like um that that deal with um questionable legacies um or like um like how how do our parents like mess us up kind of things which is very much in the territory of runaways um things like BoJack Horseman or Venture Brothers or uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend like things like that. Um, where, I mean, like what, what Molly says it before she smashes the, the ghost trap where she says, you can't put kid you can't, you can't take kids and put them in little boxes just cause it makes you happy. Like it's like, she explicitly acknowledges like what they're doing is wrong and like tries to correct it. And then, um, to, to have it like not to, to have it seem like it's being gray and like move towards like where they're having kind of a moral center and then just say eh, it wasn't that bad um it, it's it, i i very much did not like that yeah one. no that's that's definitely fair um and i don't want to seem like i'm negating that at all because i think yeah i think even even like if this was something that we were role playing or something like that i probably would have like maybe even x carded that and been like hey can we talk about this like your character might think this in the moment but like I'm not okay just letting that sit as like a theme. Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely fair. Like that would be something that I would want to like have a discussion about or, you know, like not want to make one of the takeaways of the book. So, or, you know, story or whatever. So yeah, it's yep. definitely, definitely like they, they do like set a line on the sand and like walk it back, which is kind of shitty. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this, um, they have that conversation and then, you know, it's, they're basically trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, yeah, Mo- Molly does not actually like the mutants. No, Molly doesn't like being with the mutants. And that's, a, that's valid. Because they're not her friends. They're not her friends. And that's like, just because people are the same as you doesn't mean you're automatically going to get along or have the same value set. 
yep exactly and nico just says okay well you know she says listen this is all very flowery and nice but if we we, what if we make a break for it now everyone will be on our tails cops child welfare services the avengers what do we do when they come after us and chase on the next page says we outrun them because he has found the leapfrog convenient (laughs) leapfrog notoriously Easy to control and outrun people. <laughs> um, but as you know, the rest of the team is pretty dubious. And Gert says, "Hey, she saved our lives once." And they argue about the gender of the ship, which is a very chaste thing to do. But also, why are you like this? Chase, you get better. I want to tell you about future yeah. you, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, future chase is a whole other story entirely um yes. for many reasons yes pro tip if if you impound a special vehicle um do not build a thing to <laughs> to where you can retract the roof so that, that vehicle can specifically just leave just put it in a, a, a box pull to retract roof yeah well, so the problem here is that they were using a pre-built facility, so there's probably like an Avengers jet here or something at some point. Mm. Like this is a real like Thunderbird style operation. Yeah. Um but uh Chase says my piloting skills are a little rusty, so we can go so I guess we'll go pretty much wherever the wind takes us, I guess. And Nico thinks on it for a second and then smiles and says perfect. Yeah, well we end on a monologue which ends up actually being I never thought I'd live to see 18. Isn't that dumb? Every day, I look in the mirror and say, What? You still here? Man. Like, even today, I woke up this morning, you know? And the sun was shining and everything was nice, and I thought, This is gonna be one terrific day, so you better live it up, boy. Because tomorrow, maybe you'll be gone. Which is from James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause. And so... We even have Carolina and Nico holding hands as they get ready to lift off and Molly looking through the glass. And then they bounce off through the leapfrog with L.A. skyline in the distance. And that is how volume one of The Runaways ends. Yes. That's it. There's no more Runaways, no. (laughs) No. Yeah. There's Runaways just later. Yes, there is more. Uh, oh, God, I'm not going to read this this letter. Yep. <laughs> there's there's a note from Joss. There's a fan letter from Joss Whedon at the end of this trade. I'm not going to read it. There is, however, a note, a thank you note from Christina Strain. She draws Molly with a thought bubble that says, I love Wolverine and says, hey, guys, just a quick note. Wanted to tell everyone how good it's been working with all of you and how much I look forward to the second season. This team owns. Love you all. XOXOXO. Christina, smiley face, which is very sweet. Christina is a good and sweet and lovely woman and human being. Yes. I just wanted to mention, like, because we mentioned the the letters. Yes. One from the gross man and another one. um, Another one is from. Uh, a special education teacher. Oh yeah, I don't have that. So. Um, that talks about how important, important, um, like specific reading, um, uh, like the specific kinds of reading is uh, or are, and um, uh, that it, it can really help, um, even in like diversity of like how different kids act, um, can can uh, and like what diversity in um ages of the characters, um, like because they can appeal to different different readers in different ways. Um, and it, 
it's it's important. Part of my schooling was to go into training to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't follow through with that for a lot of reasons, but it, it, as part of that, I, I learned that it's important. Like the the sooner you get kids reading, and the more consistently you get kids reading, no matter what they read, um, like comics, uh, books, uh, magazines, anything, um, it, it uh, continues to build and hone those skills very much like any any other skill or any muscle. So it's it's just cool that the this because there there aren't a lot of comics that kind of go wide with groups of kids and show a lot of different kids that look different ways and so yeah that was good that's good yeah i didn't have that in my traits and i see that now looking at the actual issue so yeah no that's really good and super important i think too especially like representation is is very very important um and can get kids involved in reading in a way that you know can't be understated i think yeah media is very much dominated by like you know the white straight heterosexual frame of mind and you know well that's great and all if you're that if you're you know the slightest bit different mm-hmm. it can be difficult and i think it's important like one of the reasons i think runaways is so good is because it also dares to examine like something that is like probably a very teenage mentality but also aside from the like backtracking that we talked about at the end it also dares to say like what if like your parents weren't actually good people and i think that's like also a sentiment like a lot of kids struggle with not everybody is lucky enough to have like a loving household yeah and so having a book even that's just about that premise is like there's not a lot of books that do that and i think that's mm-hmm. important too and and even beyond that like we 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 talked about the um uh, to to say two th- quick things the um uh, the the representation of like within this book is not great like still even most of the characters are are white um or at least appear to be white um and the only black characters in the book die um and uh, and to say that like as part of like the the walking back of like kind of what i believe to be the core message of the um uh, of the volume um it it adds a, a a kind of depth to it in that like um like what you were saying mikey where um it's important to see your like be able to acknowledge that your parents aren't like perfect like they can be wrong they can be bad they can like fuck you up um but at the same time like even when you like when they look back on their parents um like doing something the parents did do good things but um it it's not it's not black and white like uh, parents like parents like shitty parents can still do good things for you you know right and good parents can do shitty things yeah absolutely and these were bad parents who doing bad things happen to somehow get good things for their kids right yeah and the one thing like absolutely the representation like isn't maybe the greatest but i think gender parity is like a huge thing Mm -hmm. and was not very common at all at this time i think especially in like kids books like teen titans you have like the two girls and even young avengers like it's it's about 50 50 but you know there were more characters on this team that were girls and there were boys and that's like 
like Chase, we didn't read it out, but Chase does make a crack at the very end about like, that's why he wanted the leapfrog to be a he because there's too much estrogen. But like, I think while I wish there would have been like, a, you know, a little bit better representation, at least in terms of like not making like the few non-white characters there were like tokens um i think having like a range of different female perspectives as teens was really important because usually it wasn't as much as i love the oc that is very patently a show that's about a guy and a guy and a girl and a girl and they're like gonna be dating or you know like that's the main conceit of how the main group lines up yeah and that's not how it is here at all like sure you know nico ends up smooching alex and gert ends up smooching chase but like that's not the main conceit and there's still like that's not the end right that's not the end and there's more to the there's more girls to the team than just that and i think that's you know that's really important too you know, probably part of the reason this book was so popular, I'm going to be honest, was just because it just wasn't the same thing. I know I've been um pretty quiet. <laughs> let you, I've been let you guys talk. Um, but it's... Yeah, what did you think, Charlie? Uh, I liked it. I did. And I know there's more to read. Um, and I think me coming from a place that, like, my... You know, this was a lot of people's first books. This is a lot of people's first, like, like they imprinted on this book extremely hard. I did that with other books. You know what I mean? I Young Avengers is the teen book that I enjoy. Like, and I know that's like people are like, well, it's not Runaways. I'm like, it's not trying to be. Yeah, they're two very different books. The thing about this book is that I read superhero comics to read superhero comics. And this seems so disconnected. And it was meant to from all of that that it sometimes it was hard for me to like remember that it was in that same universe mm. and i think there's and i think that was supposed to be that way but like i don't know <laughs> like i like all the kids like i do like and i like chase later and i like nico a lot and i really like carolina and i like gert and i like them all like i really do but like i don't like them as much as i like most of the young avengers if that makes sense yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to hold you down and be like, Charlie, like this book. No, and it's, not, and it's not that I don't like it. It's that I think I might have come to it too late. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is something that like it's I would call it a graphic novel in the Marvel Universe, but not a superhero comic. Mm-hmm. Like there are superheroes in it, but it's like not at least not this first volume. It's not a superhero comic and it was not meant to be. It was meant to be something that was written for teens to you know it was meant to kind of capture some of that uh, manga like slice of life market and so like the first comic that i picked up because my friend let me read a couple issues in high school and i was like oh this is kind of cool but like i honestly don't remember what i read i just remember um my friend talking about it and then so I went to a comic book shop on free comic book day and my mom gave me like $10, which was enough to buy two comics. So I bought this and then I bought like one other thing. Um, I didn't buy this. I actually bought something from, I think, volume two that ended up being one of the gayest issues that Brian K. Vaughn wrote. <laughs> so like GG parents, I guess. 
But like that was extremely refreshing to me to see in a book. So then when I went to comics like later after I was done with high school and I was in college, like I read Young Avengers first and then like immediately went back and read all of this. And like it still held up for me at that point in my life, even though I was like pretty into superhero comics by that time. But I also being of the time where I acquired things maybe less than legally, uh, I also like shotgunned the entire run of Runaways. So that maybe like influenced me a little bit differently than just reading it like issue by issue would have like because I got to see the entire breadth of it pretty quickly but you know I think there's something to be said for taking our time with it too yeah it's definitely it's definitely like very Uh, different (laughs) so really quickly the way that Brian K. Vaughn originally described Alex Wilder is the oldest of the runaways Alex Wilder is a 17 year old African-American male Though he has no powers, Wilder is a brilliant young strategist with a passion for directors like Hitchcock and online games like EverQuest. Now co-leader of the Runaways, Wilder is ashamed that his role model parents are actually two criminal kingpins who fund the Pride's terrorist activities, and he intends to do whatever it takes to bring them down. Interesting. But why wasn't that the case? (laughs) I wonder... Nico was originally not... Asian at all. She was not Japanese. She was Rachel Messina. Okay. Which is totally different. So at some point, someone came along and was like, hey. Don't. <laughs> However, Carolina was pretty much always gay because uh, the last line on her description is if only she could get blank to fall in love with her, her life would be complete. So I guess that's supposed to be like a <laughs> kind of <Sure>. thing. <laughs> Or or maybe they were fighting with editorial because getting this was during a time where Marvel we had to talk about this in the discord, actually, if you're not a member of the discord, there is, I think, a link on profile for our Twitter. But we had a good talk about this because like Marvel at the time was having some big issues. And I don't mean the comic book kind with getting queer characters or anything like that on the page at all in any capacity so at least in the main mainstream books so much unlike now so it, yeah it, by <laughs> yeah. not the comic book kind you mean the the television and movie kinds is what you mean <laughs> yes exactly casey you get me no they were they were having some issues getting even like smooches on on comic um so also brian kevon pitched this is now that grant morrison is writing x-men for readers my age marvel could use a new all ages series that's smart and edgy but also pg rated and absolutely continuity free <laughs> oh so, grant morrison combining action romance humor and some harry potter style darkness the runaways is a series that older readers would definitely enjoy and a book that retailers can confidently put into the hands of younger customers if such a thing still exists So it's also worth noting that, like, yeah, they had no idea this was going to succeed. This was originally going to be much shorter. And it was only after, like, it literally, like, exploded once it went into manga-style trades. It was supposed to be, like, six issues. And then if they got renewed, they had some, like, vague plans for how it was going to go forward. So I'm pretty confident in saying, like, Runaways, even if it's, like, not your favorite, was also 
like instrumental in getting a lot of the other books that we know and love that we've talked about on this show into publication. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like without Runaways, you know, a, a lot in the landscape of teen comics and comics in general would be very different because um, it, it broke a lot of boundaries. So no, agreed. Definitely important. But yeah. If you asked me like, uh, like before reading this, if you'd asked me when I thought this came out, I, I would have said like 10 years ago tops, you know, yeah. this was 15 years yeah. ago now. So, yep, mm -hmm. it was. Yeah, uh, it only dates itself because of the references. <laughs> Very occasionally in the references. Yeah. Uh, but no, that uh, wraps up our Runaways coverage. And it's I'm glad that I did read it. I'm glad that I read it. I don't want anyone to like I don't want anyone to come at me literally and be like, how can you like how can you not like the Runaways? But like Shatterstar, I'm like, well, because that's my brand. Get out of my face. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, also, it's totally different stuff, right? Like, it's it's yeah. very different. It's very different even tonally from New Mutants and Chris Claremont oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, it's closer to some of that, but it's closer, I think, to, like, stuff that was on TV than it is to a comic book, even. Yeah. And I love the OC. I really do. I can't emphasize this enough. It's like, extremely problematic at some points, but I just like watching it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to like things that are problematic. That's, you know. It it very much is okay, yeah. Nothing is perfect. Yep. Um, but no, I enjoyed reading, and I'm glad that I did get to read it. And I, I know we're going to be coming back to it at some point. Um, but yeah. So that's that, guys. Yeah. What is What did you think of our coverage uh, of it and also reading it? What was your take on it, Casey, if you don't mind sharing? No, it, it was, um, it was good. I, um, I was one of the, uh, I've really enjoyed listening to y'all cover it, um, so much so, so that like, I didn't really go back and check out the issues until, um, uh, y'all told me I was going to be on the podcast. <laughs> um, or I, I should say asked, invited me, um, to come. No, I made you come. <laughs> I am not being forced to do this. Um, but like, I mean, like I said, like going from y'all describing these things, um, to, to looking at them was like jarring at first, but it, it was a lot of fun, like actually seeing a lot of the colors, um, uh, and like, um, it, I, I think y'all did a really good job of covering it, um, both like in analyzing it and also like describing a lot of the things and showing a lot of the like joy, um, uh, uh it, what's to be found in all of this so uh, i've i've enjoyed the experience of listening to y'all and reading these last two uh, issues well thank you casey well, thank you and thank you for coming and talking with us today you had a lot of good things to say that i think um you know would have gone unsaid or maybe not as good if you hadn't been on so i really appreciate that yeah thank you for for making the time oh well yeah, I, I I appreciate you drilling down a little bit into this. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm glad that I read it. So, yeah, you always have such good thoughts on stuff, Casey. So yeah. I appreciated having you on a lot and hopefully we can have you on again sometime. Yeah, thank you both for having me on. It's It's been a lot of fun. So. Oh, no problem. Well, 
Uh, yeah, we ran extremely late. That's so, going to do it for us. I think that is going to do it. So if you like what you've heard and will continue, would like to continue to listen, um, you can find us obviously on Twitter at Young Ones Cast, where we uh, post a little bit about our wonky schedule scheduling um, as of late. I, I apologize for um, things have been busy. I had some uh, work I needed to do. Mikey had a trip and then went into a thousand year sleep Rip Van Winkle style. Um, so, you know, it's what it is. That's what happens when you go with very little sleep for an entire week. It all catches up with you eventually in a very strong way. Exactly. If you have questions or comments, please direct them to the Twitter or you can email us at um, youngwinescast at gmail.com. Um, we take everything there. Um, like you mentioned the Discord. We'll put it on Twitter again. Just so if you want to come hang out with us, you can. I talk a lot about what I talk about. Um, everybody else appreciates it. We've had some discussions about wrestle golf recently, so if you'd like to talk about wrestle golf more, <laughs> if you'd like to talk about that, if you would love love to, or would like to, or would be kind enough to, uh, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or tell a friend about it, or just tell someone about it. Um, word of mouth, we don't pay to advertise, as many good podcasts will let you know. Um, so, you know, just tell a friend if you think they'd be interested. Um, you can find me at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, and I'll be trying to survive the month of may which is throwing the gauntlet <laughs> down at me the infinity gauntlet so that'll be interesting to watch the infinity <laughs> yeah, that gauntlet. among other types of gauntlets yeah i hope nothing it, you know i hope nothing bad happens in the infinity gauntlet <laughs> the infinity wars movie but you know it's okay if it is i don't think that i really i care but i don't I care way more about other things happening in May. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. As long as it doesn't spill over into the X-Men universe, X-Men cinematic universe, then we're fine. <laughs> That's okay. Is what you're saying. Yeah. What, okay. I'm a little bit like, I am still a little dubious about what might happen in Deadpool. Uh, even after seeing things, even after knowing that they reshoot the film in some, they did reshoots for the film in a way that to make it better. Charlie definitely called it on, on them all dying for goofs, by the way, that was absolutely a thing. So I will cop to Charlie being right and me being wrong on that front. Charlie was right. Everyone gets new t-shirts now. Um, but <laughs> Uh, I'm more concerned about what's going to happen in comics in May. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. C catch me freaking out or dying or uh, watch as Matthew Rosenberg actually piles dirt on my grave. Um, it's fine. Uh <laughs> I will be tweeting. I will be live tweeting Charlie's funeral at quantum dot dot on Twitter <laughs> uh, when they do eventually expire due to Shatterstar related events or perhaps Richter related events. We still don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I talk about comic books and video games and tabletop role-playing game and the playing and design thereof. So follow me for my hot takes on that kind of stuff. Uh, where can people find you, Casey? Um, I am at Casey Crook on Twitter. Um, you can also find me as an actual dinosaur everywhere else, um, but also kind of on Twitter. I mostly tweet about politics and things and things that i find funny like shit posts and occasionally facts about birds so casey has the best shit posts if i do say <laughs> something myself 
Oh, yes. Most of them are in uh, people's mentions because I'm that kind of Twitter user most of the time. But um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so thank you. If, if you follow me and Charlie, then you get to experience those most of the time because most of them are directed at Charlie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this is true. This is very true. <laughs> no. Casey thinks like Casey um Casey and I were having a conversation entirely as our uh masks counterparts <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago. I saw that. <laughs> it doesn't take much to bait me into things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, here's to Shatterstar and Richter surviving alive and well throughout the year of 2018. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> why, do you, why do you have to say it like that? I hope no one dies a horrible death. None of them. Uh, okay, that's going to be the end. All right. <laughs> Including Charlie. I hope they do survive the experience. Yeah. Yes. That. That one. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.